section forty three of the commentary on the epistles of paul the apostle to the corinthians volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by k hand commentary on the epistles of paul the apostle to the corinthians volume one by john calvin translated by rev john pringle first corinthians chapter nine verses thirteen through twenty two do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar even so hath the lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel but i have used none of these things neither have i written these things that it should be so done unto me for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void for though i preach the gospel i have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me yea woe is unto me if i preach not the gospel for i do this thing willingly i have a reward but if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me what is my reward then verily that when i preach the gospel i may make the gospel of christ without charge that i abuse not my power in the gospel for though i be free from all men yet have i made myself servant unto all that i might gain the more and unto the jews i became as a jew that i might gain the jews to them that are under the law as under the law that i might gain them that are under the law to them that are without law as without law being not without law to god but under the law to christ that i might gain them that are without law to the weak i became as weak that i might gain the weak i am made all things to all men that i might by all means save some thirteen know ye not apart from the question that he discusses he appears to have dwelt the longer in taking notice of this point with the view of reproaching the corinthians indirectly for their malignity in allowing the ministers of christ to be reviled in a matter that was so justifiable for if paul had not of his own accord refrained from using his liberty there was a risk of the progress of the gospel being obstructed never would the false apostles have gained that point had not ingratitude to which the corinthians were already prone opened up the way for their calumnies for they ought to have repelled them sharply but instead of this they showed themselves excessively credulous so that they would have been prepared to reject the gospel if paul had used his right such contempt of the gospel and such cruelty toward their apostle deserved to be more severely reproved but paul having found another occasion touches upon it indirectly and mildly with his usual modesty that he may admonish them without affronting them again he makes use of a new comparison to prove that he had not used the power that he had from the lord nor does he any longer borrow examples from any other source but shows that this has been appointed by the lord that the churches should provide for the support of their ministers there are some that think that there are two comparisons in this passage and they refer the former to the lord's priests and the latter to those that acted as priests to the heathen gods i am however rather of the opinion that paul expresses as he is accustomed the same thing by different terms and truly it would have been a weak argument that was derived from the practice of the heathens among whom the revenues of the priesthood were not devoted to food and clothing but to magnificent dresses royal splendor and profuse luxury these would therefore have been things too remote i do not call it in question however that he has pointed out different kinds of ministerial offices for there were priests of a higher order and there were afterwards levites who were inferior to them as is well known but that is not much to the point 
the sum is this the levitical priests were ministers of the israelitish church the lord appointed them sustenance from their ministry hence in ministers of the christian church the same equity must be observed at the present day now the ministers of the christian church are those that preach the gospel this passage is quoted by canonists when they wish to prove that idle bellies must be fattened up in order that they may perform their masses but how absurdly i leave it to children themselves to judge whatever is stated in the scriptures as to the support to be given to ministers or the honor that is to be put upon them they immediately seize hold of it and twist it to their own advantage for my part however i simply admonish my readers to consider attentively paul's words he argues that pastors who labor in the preaching of the gospel ought to be supported because the lord in ancient times appointed sustenance for the priests on the ground of their serving the church hence a distinction must be made between the ancient priesthood and that of the present day priests under the law were set apart to preside over the sacrifices to serve the altar and to take care of the tabernacle and temple those at the present day are set apart to preach the word and to dispense the sacraments the lord has appointed no sacrifices for his sacred ministers to be engaged in there are no altars for them to stand at to offer sacrifices hence appears the absurdity of those who apply this comparison taken from sacrifices to anything else than to the preaching of the gospel nay farther it may be readily inferred from this passage that all popish priests from the head himself to the lowest member are guilty of sacrilege who devour the revenues appointed for true ministers while they do not in any way discharge their duty for what ministers does the apostle order to be maintained those that apply themselves to the preaching of the gospel what right then have they to claim for themselves the revenues of the priesthood because they hum a tune and perform mass but god has enjoined upon them nothing of that sort hence it is evident that they seize upon the reward due to others when however he says that the levitical priests were partakers with the altar and that they ate of the things of the temple he marks out metonymikos by metonymy the offerings that were presented to god for they claimed to themselves the sacred victims entire and of the smaller animals they took the right shoulder and kidneys and tail and besides this tithes oblations and first fruits the word eron therefore in the second instance is taken to mean the temple fifteen nor have i written these things as he might seem to be making it his aim that in future a remuneration should be given him by the corinthians he removes that suspicion and declares that so far from this being his desire he would rather die than give occasion for his being deprived of this ground of glorying that he bestowed labor upon the corinthians without any reward nor is it to be wondered that he set so high a value upon this glorying inasmuch as he saw that the authority of the gospel in some degree depended upon it for he would in this way have given a handle to the false apostles to triumph over him hence there was a danger lest the corinthians despising him should receive them with great applause so much did he prefer even before his own life the power of advancing the gospel sixteen for if i preach the gospel to show how very important it was not to deprive himself of that ground of glorying he intimates what would have happened if he had simply discharged his ministry that he would in this way have done nothing else than what the lord had enjoined upon him by strict necessity by doing that he says he would have had no occasion for glorying as it was not in his power to avoid doing it it is asked however what glorying he here refers to for he glories elsewhere in his exercising himself in the office of teaching with a pure conscience second timothy one three 
i answer that he speaks of a glorying that he could bring forward in opposition to the false apostles when they endeavoured to find a pretext for reviling as will appear more fully from what follows this is a remarkable statement from which we learn in the first place what as to ministers is the nature and what is the closeness of the tie that is involved in their calling and farther what the pastoral office imports and includes let not the man then who has been once called to it imagine that he is any longer at liberty to withdraw when he chooses if perhaps he is harassed with vexatious occurrences or weighed down with misfortunes for he is devoted to the lord and to the church and bound by a sacred tie which it were criminal to break asunder as to the second point he says that a curse was ready to fall upon him if he did not preach the gospel why because he has been called to it and therefore is constrained by necessity how therefore will any one who succeeds to his office avoid this necessity what sort of successors then have the apostles in the pope and the other mitred bishops who think that there is nothing that is more unbecoming their station than the duty of teaching seventeen for if i do this thing willingly by reward here is meant what the latins term operce pretium recompense for labor and what he had previously termed glorying others however interpret it otherwise as meaning that a reward is set before all who discharge their duty faithfully and heartily but for my part i understand the man who does this thing willingly to be the man who acts with such cheerfulness that being intent upon edifying as his one object of desire he declines nothing that he knows will be profitable to the church as on the other hand he terms those unwilling who in their actings submit indeed to necessity but act grudgingly because it is not from inclination for it always happens that the man who undertakes any business with zeal is also prepared of his own accord to submit to everything which if left undone would hinder the accomplishment of the work thus paul being one that acted willingly did not teach in a mere perfunctory manner but left nothing undone that he knew to be fitted to promote and further his doctrine this then was his recompense for labor and this his ground of glorying that he did with readiness of mind forego his right in respect of his applying himself to the discharge of his office willingly and with fervent zeal but if unwillingly a dispensation is committed to me in whatever way others explain these words the natural meaning in my opinion is this that god does not by any means approve of the service done by the man who performs it grudgingly and as it were with a reluctant mind whenever therefore god has enjoined anything upon us we are mistaken if we think that we have discharged it aright when we perform it grudgingly for the lord requires that his servants be cheerful second corinthians nine seven so as to delight in obeying him and manifest their cheerfulness by the promptitude with which they act in short paul means that he would act in accordance with his calling only in the event of his performing his duty willingly and cheerfully eighteen what then is my reward he infers from what goes before that he has a ground of glorying in this that he labored gratuitously in behalf of the corinthians because it appears from this that he applied himself willingly to the office of teaching inasmuch as he vigorously set himself to obviate all the hindrances in the way of the gospel and not satisfied with merely teaching endeavored to further the doctrine of it by every method this then is the sum i am under the necessity of preaching the gospel if i do it not woe is unto me for i resist god's calling but it is not enough to preach unless i do it willingly for he who fulfils the commandment of god unwillingly does not act as becomes him suitably to his office 
but if i obey god willingly it will in that case be allowable for me to glory hence it was necessary for me to make the gospel without charge that i might glory on good ground papists endeavor from this passage to establish their contrivance as to works of supererogation paul they say would have fulfilled the duties of his office by preaching the gospel but he adds something farther over and above hence he does something beyond what he is bound to do for he distinguishes between what is done willingly and what is done from necessity i answer that paul it is true went a greater length than the ordinary calling of pastors required because he refrained from taking pay which the lord allows pastors to take but as it was a part of his duty to provide against every occasion of offence that he foresaw and as he saw that the course of the gospel would be impeded if he made use of his liberty though that was out of the ordinary course yet i maintain that even in that case he rendered to god nothing more than was due for i ask is it not the part of a good pastor to remove occasions of offence so far as it is in his power to do so i ask again did paul do anything else than this there is no ground therefore for imagining that he rendered to god anything he did not owe to him inasmuch as he did nothing but what the necessity of his office though it was an extraordinary necessity demanded away then with that wicked imagination that we compensate for our faults in the sight of god by works of supererogation nay more away with the very term which is replete with diabolical pride this passage assuredly is mistakenly perverted to bear that meaning the error of papists is refuted in a general way in this manner whatever works are comprehended under the law are falsely termed works of supererogation as is manifest from the words of christ luke seventeen ten when ye have done all things that are commanded you say we are unprofitable servants we have done what we were bound to do now we acknowledge that no work is good and acceptable to god that is not included in god's law this second statement i prove in this way there are two classes of good works for they are all reducible either to the service of god or to love now nothing belongs to the service of god that is not included in this summary thou shalt love the lord with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy strength there is also no duty of love that is not required in that precept love thy neighbor as thyself mark twelve thirty and thirty one but as to the objection that is brought forward by papists that it is possible for one to be acceptable if he devotes the tenth part of his income and infer from this that if he goes so far as to devote the fifth part he does a work of supererogation it is easy to remove away this subtlety for that the deeds of the pious are approved is not by any means owing to their perfection but it is because the imperfection and deficiency are not reckoned to their account hence even if they were doing an hundredfold more than they do they would not even in that case exceed the limits of the duty that they owe that i may not abuse my power from this it appears that such a use of our liberty as gives occasion of offence is an uncontrolled liberty and abuse we must keep therefore within bounds that we may not give occasion of offence this passage also confirms more fully what i just now touched upon that paul did nothing beyond what the duty of his office required because it was not proper that the liberty that was allowed him by god should be in any way abused nineteen though i was free from all ech panton that is from all may be taken either in the neuter gender or in the masculine 
if in the neuter it will refer to things if in the masculine to persons i prefer the second he has as yet shown only by one particular instance how carefully he had accommodated himself to the weak now he subjoins a general statement and afterwards enumerates several instances the general observation is this that while he was not under the power of any one he lived as if he had been subject to the inclination of all and of his own accord subjected himself to the weak to whom he was under no subjection the particular instances are these that among gentiles he lived as if he were a gentile and among the jews he acted as a jew that is while among jews he carefully observed the ceremonies of the law he was no less careful not to give occasion of offence to the gentiles by the observance of them he adds the particle as to intimate that his liberty was not at all impaired on that account for however he might accommodate himself to men he nevertheless remained always like himself inwardly in the sight of god to become all things is to assume all appearances as the case may require or to put on different characters according to the diversity among individuals as to what he says respecting his being without law and under the law you must understand it simply in reference to the ceremonial department for the department connected with morals was common to jews and gentiles alike and it would not have been allowable for paul to gratify men to that extent for this doctrine holds good only as to things indifferent as has been previously remarked twenty one though not without law to god he wished by this parenthesis to soften the harshness of the expression for it might have seemed harsh at first view to have said that he had come to be without law hence in order that this might not be taken in a wrong sense he added by way of correction that he had always kept in view one law that of subjection to christ by this too he hints that odium was excited against him groundlessly and unreasonably as if he called men to an unbridled licentiousness while he taught exemption from the bondage of the mosaic law now he calls it expressly the law of christ in order to wipe away the groundless reproach with which the false apostles branded the gospel for he means that in the doctrine of christ nothing is omitted that might serve to give us a perfect rule of upright living twenty two to the weak i became as weak now again he employs a general statement in which he shows to what sort of persons he accommodated himself and with what design he judaized in the presence of the jews but not before them all for there were many headstrong persons who under the influence of pharisaical pride or malice would have wished that christian liberty were altogether taken away to those persons he would never have been so accommodating for christ would not have us care for persons of that sort let them alone says he they are blind and leaders of the blind matthew fifteen fourteen hence we must accommodate ourselves to the weak not to the obstinate now his design was that he might bring them to christ not that he might promote his own advantage or retain their good will to these things a third must be added that it was only in things indifferent that are otherwise in our choice that he accommodated himself to the weak now if we consider how great a man paul was who stooped thus far ought we not to feel ashamed we who are next to nothing in comparison with him if bound up in self we look with disdain upon the weak and do not deign to yield up a single point to them but while it is proper that we should accommodate ourselves to the weak according to the apostles injunction and that in things indifferent and with a view to their edification those act in an improper part who with the view of consulting their own ease avoid those things that would offend men and the wicked too rather than the weak 
those however commit a twofold error who do not distinguish between things indifferent and things unlawful and accordingly do not hesitate for the sake of pleasing men to engage in things that the lord has prohibited the crowning point however of the evil is this that they abuse this statement of paul to excuse their wicked dissimulation but if any one keep in view these three things that i have briefly pointed out he will have it easily in his power to refute those persons we must observe also the word that he makes use of in the concluding clause for he shows for what purpose he endeavours to gain all with a view to their salvation at the same time he here at length modifies the general statement unless perhaps you prefer the rendering of the old translation which is found even at this day in some greek manuscripts for in this place too he repeats it that i may by all means save some but as the indulgent temper that paul speaks of has sometimes no good effect this limitation is very suitable that although he might not do good to all he nevertheless had never left off consulting the advantage of at least a few End of section forty three